Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another exciting episode of BJ Speaks, a conversation with right here in the Everyday Folks Radio Podcast. I'm Billy B.J. Jones, your host. Today is July 14, 2022, and we're hosting this live podcast right here from our usual location. If at any time you'd like to speak with me or our esteemed guests, please call me at 347-539-5372. Again, that call-in number is 347-539-5372. And if you're a little shy and prefer to inbox me with your questions, comments, or requests, you may do so via the following options. EverydayFolksListen at gmail.com. And I see some of you are are already not shy and sliding into my DMs on Instagram, on drbillyjones, and also on Fright Talk, on Fright Talk Guys. It's been a while since I've been on air, and that's because I've been busy creating and reading and learning. It's been a really good summer. And today I'm very, very privileged to have an amazing writer with us. Tim Ahrens has been writing for more than 40 years, and he is especially passionate about character creation. He has worked on a number of short stories and novels. He has frequently collaborated with other writers. Dark Creatures, The Grand Game, is his third novel and was published by Atmosphere Press. Tim has received several glowing reviews about his third book from reviewers like Nicholas Schroeder for for a reader's favorite, as well as Dee Donovan, senior reviewer for Midwest Book Review. Dark Creatures is a, a Simple Game is his second book, and his first the Salvation of Ten 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 Lega Ten Lega. I would have messed that up. I knew I would. With with four by Pierce Anthony was also published by Lucid Style. And to learn more about Tim's craft and his amazing words, you need to visit his site. It's available here in the description for this show. But I'll give it live. Visit thedarkcreatures.com. Thedarkcreatures.com. All one word. And you can also Google him and search it in your search engine. But something else special that Tim is up to. Recently, Tim has submitted and is looking forward to being recognized as a nominee in the 2023 StokerCon Award. Tim, welcome to Everyday Folks. Thank you, Billy. I do appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you hosting the show. Um, It's an honor to be here. And I have to tell you, it's an honor to to chat with you today about something that I hold right here in my hand, and it has nice little pink little tabs all over it because it was such a great book. Folks, I'm referring to The Grand Game. And this book, Tim, you know, I didn't want to tell you before, this is for our listeners, you know, before the show, I'm always having conversations with our awesome guests, and they always want to know when I read it, like, what do you think? (laughs) And I have to tell you, Tim, kudos to you for what you created. I'm very proud of you and honored to meet you and get to know you. And so this hour is dedicated to you. I have a ton of great questions and some of our listeners, they're already chiming in in my DMs with a couple of questions. So we'll do our best to take them both. 
My first question for you, Tim, it's, it's a very special one. Who or what inspired you to write this book? Pretty fascinating. Um, well, I've always loved horror, and I've always loved fantasy. Um, I go mm-hmm. all the way back to um, I was a Pierce Anthony and a lot of other um, fantasy writers. Mm-hmm. And um, I grew up reading Stephen King and watching a lot of other horror movies with my father, like the Universal Horror Monsters. I started with that at 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, it segued into um, Night Stalker and um, Tales from the Crypt and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, when I decided to write the first book, Tangle of Gale, um, it was a collection of short stories. Um, my original publisher then wanted me to follow up the book eventually. And I couldn't really think of an idea on what I wanted to do. And then I started mm-hmm. watching this anime called Berserk. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if people are anime fans out there, they'll know what Berserk is. It's a big, huge thing. Mm-hmm. And I was watching Guts, and I went, well, God, I'd love to do a, a, a dark fantasy like this, but I don't want to use Guts because then I'm borrowing from somebody else or, you know, it's not mm-hmm. really plagiarism, mm-hmm. but you get the point. And so I sat down and, and concocted um, this whole situation with dark creatures um, because based off of game mastering because I used to play Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons a whole lot when mm-hmm. I was younger and I still do role play here and there occasionally. Awesome. And so I, I, I put them all together and I figured, well, you know, in a lot of cases, especially with Itzakai, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, or Itzakai, um, uh, people being trapped into video games. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, it's always the human protagonist that's, that you start out with that gets sucked into the video game. Why not have the human antagonist play a video game, but actually the person he's playing is actually a living individual that he doesn't know <laughs> is a living individual. <laughs> and I can see how much of what you just shared as a fellow D&D um, player, um, I, 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 have, I can see as I was reading this book, I could see how the idea of role play could have influenced the work, but you took it to a whole other level. I have to say it was just marvelously done. And so the fact that your title is very symbolic, not only of the plot, but it also sends for me, Tim, this philosophical reality of the game within the game that we all live and play in life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all the roles and the, the characters and the identities that we play in the different spaces of living. So as I was reading this, I couldn't help but even though I was in a fantasy world, I could see certain aspects of reality just so intertwined nicely for me into the story. So great job on that. Thank but you. Throughout, throughout your writing, though, I'm sure as you were writing this book, you were experiencing, you, you had times, you have a life. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the writing process is so important to, a, you know, the creative process is so unique and sometimes very unique for different books or stages of writing that you're in. Would you walk walk us through a little bit of what that process was like for you? Um, sure. In fact, um, it's, it's, other people have asked me how I, you know, come up with with writing or how I design a writing project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's a there's a big push, and I'm not against this, of writing outlines, huge outlines to design mm-hmm. where the book's going. Stuff. Like, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> ah, I'm one of these, okay. I'm one of these people who, um, as what I like to put it, writes by the seat of his pants. So I know what the book's going to be about, the beginning, maybe some aspects of the middle of the book and the ending. Up until mm-hmm. that point, I have really no idea what's going to take place between those three points. So I create the character, I design them, I build them, I build the world in my head, I, mm-hmm. and I design them to the point where I would know exactly what they would do in any one given situation. Mm-hmm. And I'll start them at the beginning of the book, 
at the at the at the opening of the book, I'll introduce them to the to the audience like you're introducing a play or something like that, and then they'll move to the story towards the center point, and then from that center point they'll move to the ending point. Um, mm-hmm. But everything that takes place in between there um, is pretty much just oh wow we got to do this oh wow we got to mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> it uh, it just makes itself uh, it develops itself. And that's that's fascinating. In fact, as I'm writing, I can relate to that. I I can in, I can uh, you know vision envision what the story is, and I write short stories as you're aware. But and but somehow some way I, I don't outline either, unless I'm creating a table of contents of the order of the things oh, I yeah. want to do. And but I find that fascinating, especially for writing fantasy or, or dark fantasy, where sometimes you have different realms, you have different languages or use of language, and of course name and name use and pronunciation. And so in your creative process, some of the characters that you were creating, like I, I, I saw that in one case, I saw some historical characters, mythological characters of names I know. But then there was, there was William Donovan, you know, also in the story. I was like, okay, this did is you, great. Did or Jane Doe. <laughs> did you ever Google William J. Donovan? I did not. I did not. And I, an I wanted Easter to talk egg. about him. But It's we, an Easter it, egg in the book. William J. Donovan is actually a World War I um, Purple Heart Medal of Honor with, huh. he, he saved a whole bunch of people in 1918 in World War I. <laughs> okay, now see, folks, I have to tell you that, see, this is the nuggets and the greatness of Tim Aaron, okay? Because I feel that every character that you create has purpose, obviously. And like you said, in your, like I read in your bio, you're really good at character uh, development. So William Donovan, if we, if we may, can we talk a little about him? Oh, sure. I find that William Donovan and, and, and his evolution was extraordinary i don't want to give too much for folks to you know away from the the plot because we want people to read it (laughs) get the book folks (laughs) but i do i will say that you know i remember there was one episode i forgot what chapter was between the latter chapters between 11 and 13 where lilith was whispering and telling him things you know about the order of things it was a very clever oh yeah yeah. (laughs) i loved it I, i thought that you had two worlds in one. He could hear. I could visualize him hearing those thoughts, and and that was mastery. A little bit about William Donovan. Besides the historical aspect, what made you make him one of your points, your your point of, of view or focus for the story? Why William? I wanted I wanted somebody young. Um, I'm um, I don't don't bother me. I'm 56, so I'm I'm getting up there in age, but. I wanted a younger perspective. Um, if, the, if the gods are going to play a game, they're not necessarily going to choose an older adult because they're pretty much mm. set away. It's not exciting to see what an older adult will do because they're pretty much going to already pre-designed exactly what path they're going to follow in a lot of cases. They're, right. They have an adult right. mind. Whereas a teenager or a high school student or something like that's still developing all of this stuff. Um, it's the same thing a lot of um, in the uh, Iliad and stuff and such like such and such works like that. If you go young in the beginning, you can build a hero out of a young individual, and they can step into the role where instead of just being starting with an older hero and moving him forward, that's pretty much why I wanted to use a, a high school student. My only big concern, and I'm glad it didn't come that mm-hmm. way, was that mm-hmm. he, um, he he was going to be too retro because <laughs> ah. I'm not a teenager ah. anymore. <laughs> So I talked hmm. to quite a few people, and I made his mm-hmm. interest retro, so I could so I could relate relate to him enough that I could build more of his personality into the character. Right. But as far as his modern 
speech goes, for instance, um, I don't know a lot of the slang the kids use these days, for instance. So mm. I was hoping he wasn't coming off too old. Absolutely. I'd love to comment on that. You know, as I read the work, I didn't feel that retro aspect. I felt it was very fresh and very current. Okay. I, I really did. And, you know, I, I, in fact, I was going to ask, I said, you were, I felt like it was so new and different from anything else I have read in the, in the genre or even the hybrid of genres that, that, you, that you are in. And I found that it was very refreshing. So I think you nailed it. I think you created okay. a new voice and style and something different. But enough of it, I will say there are elements that are reminiscent, obviously, if folks do their homework, and folks, you should. See, Tim put me on the spot here, and it's a good thing. I didn't even think about looking up William Donovan's name. Now you got to be thinking about other characters <laughs> in the book. Now these other Easter eggs. Are there other Easter eggs I should be aware of without giving too much away? Oh, uh, yeah, there are a few that, uh, that drop in here and there. And then if you've actually read um, The Salvation of Tangled Gale, if you're one of the people that actually picked the mm-hmm. first book up I ever wrote, you'll find all sorts of Easter eggs from that book plugged into the thing. Mm. I took characters out of the first book since that's a collection of short stories and gave them more life in the Dark Creatures series. So they, they, have, they make their appearances and people who read that book will go, oh my God, so this is what happened. <laughs> I got to read it. In fact, I, just, I have to share this for our listeners. I had the pleasure of coming across Tim's work very recently and, and fell in love with it. And here we are today. It was like, a fr- like, I feel like talking to you, Tim, and I want the readers to understand this. Not only are you getting a good read, but you're also getting a good author who's just relatable. And that, that means a lot. You meet so many authors, Tim, who, when you get them to, you read their works, you're just, uh, you're moved. It's, it's an emotional, wonderful roller coaster of great stuff. But when you have a conversation like this, there, I feel like there's so many layers to Tim. And those layers are actually embodied in the characters that you create, actually. Yeah, I try to bring my characters to life. I try to give them a personality all their own. It's kind of like, for instance, I'm enamored with a Twilight Zone, for instance. Right. And Rod Sterling came up with an episode where he has an author, a playwright, when he talks into a microphone, he creates his characters come to life. That's pretty much what happens to me when I'm writing. Um, They they actually come to life for me when I'm working on them. Oh, out of all these characters that are in there, I personally, as you can imagine, I like I loved Donovan. I, I thought he was awesome. But I also want to speak of these other incredible, these incredible cast of supernatural or gods or characters that you have here. And you have some of my personal favorites. Okay? Oh, good. And so, for instance, in my book club, I don't think I've shared this with you before. In my, I'm in a book club here in, in Miami. We've been friends and members of this book club for almost 12 years. And we have read, coming up later this year, uh, next year, we will have read our 100th book oh, cool. as a book club. And we've been across all genres. So, and everyone comes from different walks of life. I'm the only writer and, and English person in the group. Everyone else comes from medical field, um, you know, <laughs> psychology, business, et cetera. We read Cersei. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we read Cersei two, three years ago. It was fall 2019, right before Halloween. So it was great. And so as I saw, you know, the introduction of Cersei, and we have Lilith inside the story, why did you choose these very, very iconic um, um, beings to be part of this story? Well, there's a lot of gods out there that are used a lot, like yeah. Zeus, and there's a lot of the Roman gods used. Cersei's not used very often. Yes, you're right. And neither is, well, I know Lilith is mentioned a lot and stuff, but she's never a play, major player in a lot of roles. 
that I've seen. I right. try to pick gods when I was looking up gods that I could use. I was trying to pick gods that don't see the the light of day a lot. Mm. Um, like it. And then I and then I went back and researched who they were in history, mm-hmm. the way they were described in history, so I could get their personalities correct. Um, and what you know happened, it, for instance, in the beginning chapters when she's talking to Jane, uh, trying to convince Jane to uh, the right. end of the game, she mentions that she, that well, Jane mentions that she chose the name Medea as her online name, and Cersei said, well, she really hates that because she really hates what happened to the original Medea, and if you if you've researched Cersei, you'll know what happened to the original Medea. <laughs> That's why you she just liked it. You know, you create these characters, these chosen gods or, 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 or entities that are commonly misunderstood. Like I, I, I'm using Cersei as a great example. Um, the, the, the story of even the idea of being the mother of witchcraft, right? Or sorcery in that regard automatically sets her up, right? And then when you, and I look at Lilith from Hebrew to the Mesopotamian cultures, they, there's this idea that Lilith being the first wife of, of, of Adam, you know, the, she was also in some other aspects of, of the, of the canon, the demon mm-hmm. goddess, you know, like, and mm-hmm. a lot of shows today have played off of her identity, such as my favorite show on Netflix, Lucifer, oh, okay. Lilith, you know, Lilith played a role. She had a visit there. But then Lilith was also dark and also misleading, sexual, seductive, and all these things. In the, in the selection of these characters, was it challenging for you to bring them in to the story and to keep them going the way you did? No. Once I understand who the character was, once I researched, for instance, Cersei's background, I understood pretty much everything I could yeah. get with her. And I already understood Lilith because in role-playing, I use her a lot. I used her a lot. Um, especially ah, when, okay. I even used her in DC Heroes, believe it or not. But... Um, so as long as I understand the background and who they're supposed to be, no, it's not a problem at all to keep them moving. Um, I just tweak them a little bit. For instance, Cersei's mm-hmm. not nearly as, um, how do I put that? She's not nearly as dark, for instance, as, right. as history puts her. I try to give her more of a personality. Um, Lilith, for instance, is a seduct, it's a seductress, and it said in her, in her background she doesn't like men. But if you look, read through the book, she's starting to get to like William, even though it's against her personality to do so. Um, there's a great scene. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think that's in the simple game, which is the book forward to this when she first arrives, where she punches Doug in the face. <laughs> People love that scene. <laughs> but she's a fighter. But she's um she's only supposed to be in the book originally of from Samuel L., usually to help William survive up until the point where he can survive on his own. But she takes to liking to them to the point where she starts to give him more information than she's really supposed to. <laughs> and she does mm. more for him. Mm. And I love the fact that you are able, through them, you're able to bring up these various dimensions and layers of conflict with these characters, you know, in, in, in various types. Of obviously, human versus supernatural or human versus human, human versus self. I thought you played so well with that while still keeping the narrative flow wonderfully playing out. I thought it was just superb. But here's the other thought to that. So we, yes, you, you said, you mentioned that the characters, well, creating the, the voices of these, these gods, that was an enjoyment, it seems, for you. But was it a challenge then to create the characters, the pawns that they, that they control? William wasn't a, a, wasn't a much of a challenge because I already knew what type of person I wanted to start the books out. Um, Jane was a bit of a challenge right. because 
because people will, first of all, people perceive her situation reversed. Yeah. So I had to make sure that it was logical that her situation was the way it was. Mm-hmm. And um, then I had a comment by one person who proofread that particular chapter saying that they thought that Jane would hate both her parents, not right. just not just her mother. And then I did some psych research on that. And actually, there are situations where the the person who's in that situation will fall to one or the other parent of who, who feels they're being nicer to them. Um, they'll cling to them. Um, I just tried to make her psychologically um, balanced, yet slightly imbalanced. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to do. Uh, that she was really a, a tough one to do. Um, uh, Cthul, um, um, Harry, Harry Gaines, sorry, yeah. his real name. He wasn't that hard because I've known pushers since I was growing up in school. <laughs> he wasn't too difficult to do. Um, bringing to life H. H. Holmes, no, that was really hard because I can't make him too much of the monster that he's in history in order right. to make him flow through the book. That was really mm. hard to do. But. Ah, and so in that regard, a lot of folks will listening live. Folks, by the way, if you're tuning in live, this is such a great conversation. I'm just... Tim, you could talk forever. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it because having read his work, The Grand Game by Tim Ahrens, and now having you here, there's just so many layers and things that you're helping me recall. So as I'm listening, I'm actually scribbling here and have tons of other questions. But one of the things that I find that was so remarkable is just that out of all these characters and these spaces that you put them, point of view is very important when you're writing any novel or story when you're using strong time order, and especially when you're working with the genre or the hybrid of genres that you're in, making sure the point of view of the ultimate story is very evident or episodes so that the reader can effortlessly take away from the essence of the story. So as I read it, I want to share this. I'll share my comment, and then I'll ask, for your, ask the question. That is, when I was done, I was so eager to read the next. As a reader... If anyone's ever meeting Tim or hearing about your incredible talent as of now, should we read the books in order? Or am I not missing out? In fact, going out in this sink is okay as well. What are your thoughts on that? Um, You can read the books in succinct. You don't have to read them in order. I designed them them specifically so that if someone picked up book two over book one or Mm -hmm. anything like that, they could just – that's why I have the intro. That's why the intro leads you into the book. It's supposed to give you an idea of what happened prior to the book you're reading so that when you step into the book, you'll at least have some kind of footing you can gauge with. Mm. Um, would it benefit you as far as um, historic history goes to read them in, in line? Yes. Kind <laughs> um, of figure. If you read, if, yeah, if you read Tang Legal first, for instance, um, and then you're reading Dark Creatures, A Simple Game, you're going to see characters from that book pop up in this book. And then that's and that going to lead you to the next book um there's a couple of characters in the book i can't use because they're science fiction <laughs> but um yeah uh, it, it, you don't really have to read them in order pick up the grand game first if you wanted to see a good taste of what i'm like what i what my writing's like um a simple game um i did a lot of work on dub pimpkin which is my ultimate villain for at least these first three books and um in a simple game it's as I, when I say I do a lot of work, I meant he's mm-hmm. really dark. <laughs> he's really dark. 
he's dark to the point where people have read that book and told me they want to read the next book just so they can see what happens to him. <laughs> so William does. So William continues. He 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 reappears again in one of the other works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, William. Um, not William. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. In the in the grand game. Who carries? And I, and you don't have to give it away. I I just want the readers, the listeners, to know mm-hmm. how intertwined and how um, cleverly complex <laughs> yet simple to follow, actually, um, and relatable is your 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 creative work here. Yeah, in the grand game, um, the characters in the fantasy world are actually some characters out of Tanglegel. Ah, okay. I got to read it. Uh, it's on my list, folks. By the way, folks, you need to visit thedarkcreatures.com. Check it out. You can see not only t- the work that we're discussing today, but there are links in. And the page is just marvelous, Tim. I told you this before. I loved your page. It was almost as if it transported me. I felt like I was in a movie. <laughs> Or D and D, a D and D tribute. It was so awesome. It was so appropriate. And folks, you're listening live to Tim Aaron's and me, Billy B J Jones, right here on B J Speaks, a conversation with, right here in Everyday Folks Radio. If you'd like to inbox me with your questions, comments, or requests, I'm, I will gladly take them. Tim, just to let you know, we're getting quite a few questions, so I'm probably going to roll through some of those as we're still chatting. And for those who are listening for the first time, however, everyday folks listen at gmail.com is an email option. Whether you get it to me now or after the fact, shoot us an email and I'll make sure to connect you to Tim, as well as on my Instagram at drbillyjones. Check me out. And those of you who may be a little more ancient like me and prefer Facebook, you can see me there too on Insta- on Facebook at drbillyjones. So Tim, Belinda wants to know the following, one of our listeners. What types of books do you write traditionally? Actually, traditionally, I um, I suppose it's fantasy is, would be my strongest suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I've written short stories and um, tried to write novels in the past when I didn't finish, or if I written short stories with other people, it's always usually been a fantasy-based situation. Um, I started combining fantasy with horror back with another friend of mine who was trying to get published at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did get that one published in a couple of magazines, which are no longer in print, unfortunately. <laughs> but that one's called uh, Winter Ease. Mm. And you can look that up on my Facebook page. Um, uh, it's not on Dark Creatures. It is on Tim Aaron's Facebook page. Um, it's easy enough to find me. If you want to look me up, I'll take you as a friend. You'll just see my book characters in the corner of the circle there. That would, that's the easiest, the easiest way to find me. Because there's about eight different Tim Aaron's. <laughs> mm. And in fact, it's funny you say that because... When I was, when I was, you know, every time I read an author, I also I go and stalk them on the internet, <laughs> and I go and check them out. And I said, Tim Aaron's, and I, of course, you sent me what I needed to know and everything. I saw your Facebook as well. But uh, uh, amazing enough, folks, there are quite a few Tim Aaron's out there. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like Billy Jones. It's a common name. <laughs> and so, but I want to make sure folks are listening. Get the right Tim Aaron's, and you can do that by going to thedarkcreatures.com webpage where you where you won't miss a thing. So Tim, of all the characters you created, and you and I'm not just speaking of the grand game which I've fallen in love with, but we're also looking at the simple game. We're looking at Tangeli Ten Ten Legal. There you go. Ten There we go. It's gonna. I promise to get it right. <laughs> Ten Legal. Of all of these magnificent people and characters and creatures you created, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? 
My two favorites are always going to okay. be Hunter, which is from Tangla Gale, and uh, Dark Creatures, a simple game. They both he shows up in both of those, and Lilica. Lilica is always going to be one of my favorites because she's a a bard, b she's spunky. I love spunky characters. She doesn't take gripe from anybody, <laughs> even you know when she's facing um, someone like the the pale writer. Um, she calls him Ragman because <laughs> she doesn't like the feeling of, mm-hmm. of being below him. <laughs> I have to tell you, as I was reading the book, you know, I felt, now don't think any ill of me, Tim, but I felt like I could connect with Lilith for some reason. (laughs) I was like, like, I was like, oh gosh, did he write this about my life? Um, You know, and it wasn't, I think what happens is that sometimes what I found, what I marvel in, 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 in her is that sometimes, even though on the surface, people can often be misunderstood. And there's an origin to what we see that plays out sometimes in reality, right? And that reality plays out into her pawn. I thought that was masterful. And another character you mentioned earlier, I have to bring this in. Genesis? J-A-N-U-S-E-S? Oh, Genesis. Genesis. The Genesis. Genesis. That's it, right? See, can I tell you what I was thinking of when I read it? So as I read this particular, you know, J-A-N-U-S-E-S, I thought that I said, wait a minute, is he gonna play is he playing off of Genesis? Actually, Genesis is a Roman god who is two faced from yes. his past present future in it. Right. And I was gonna say that. I said first I saw I said, wait a minute to play off. I said, wait, 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 wait. No, this is a Roman god, as you said, with the two faces that looks, you know, that pat you know, forwards and backwards. And I said, Okay, this is clever because when we were children, Tim, let's take a little stroll back in memory lane. Did you read in, in middle grades or junior high? We had junior highs then. We, we studied um, classic Greek and Roman mythology. And today, children don't, don't, aren't necessarily introduced to it in that way anymore, not within the curriculum, okay? And so when we bring in these interesting characters, I often have to remind my students to you know, look them up and learn a bit. So I have to almost reintroduce these fascinating creatures and individuals and the, their flaws, which make them even more marvelous. So as you were creating each of these stories and these characters, were you aware of that in terms of, well, you have a new audience that's going to be a younger audience that will be reading this. You know, was that your target intention or was your intention just to write the good work, put it out there, and sometimes you get the feedback that you need to hear from folks about who they think things were like I just did. Well, my, my intention, I actually believe it or not, I did have an intention when I, when I wrote the, the, the mm-hmm. gods in any way. And my intention was to get people to look them up. Yes. So I, just, I gave you enough information on the, who they were by, about their past, just enough to make you curious about them in case you were. Um, just to look them up because I'm, I don't think that, that some of the history stuff about this stuff gets – looked into enough in my opinion. Sure. Just Very true. And so, you know, I figured if the readers are that curious about it, they look them up and they'll go, oh, wow. Or, oh, wow. Hmm. <laughs> Stuff like that. So that has, someone ever, has someone ever approached you when you're working and I said, it's him. This is definitely, you know, dark fantasy, dark horror fantasy in some regard. Or would they say it's this dark historical fiction? You know, where where do you feel the grand game lies as far as an identifier. I hate to put it in a category. You know that. 
But if I had to um, place it in a space, what would you say it is, or how would you describe it genre-wise? I always describe it as dark fantasy. Um, okay. It's horror. It's fantasy and horror combined. Um, yeah, I can't call it true horror because even right. though there are horror elements in the real world in the book and in the fantasy world, it's not a Stephen King or an Alan Dean Koontz or something like that. It doesn't mm-hmm. follow the, the human characters 100% to the book. Um, it's got a huge fantasy underlay to it, which is why I always call it dark fantasy. It's, it's not mm-hmm. something like um, Vance, like Pierce Anthony. You're not, if you read a Vance book from Pierce Anthony, you're not going to find a, a, a whole lot of dark elements in, in a Vance book. At least I never did anyway. I found them more fun. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever read Vance. Yeah, I have. Or not. I have. Then you're fact. well aware of that. But <laughs> I have. <laughs> Like when he's talking about the creation of the centaurs, um, I really yeah. love his, his idea of, of the design. That, whereas, I mean, he does go, Pierce Anthony is a, a writer worth reading. He's fantastic. He's got, um, got his celestial series, like On a Pale Horse. It's just mm-hmm. fantastic. And that can be mm-hmm. dark. But but um, I always call it dark fantasy simply because it mixes the two. And that's pretty much what it is. It's horror and fantasy mixed together. Thank you very much. I have a question coming in for you from Cindy. Cindy, thank you for listening. Cindy wants to know, Tim, were you always interested in becoming a writer? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I didn't start getting interested in writing until I was about 15, 14 or 15. And that's only because I started game mastering when I was 13. Okay. And I had a group of about nine to 10 people I was game mastering because that's back when D&D was getting its roots and there were huge people wanting to play and and I got a lot of requests to write all these stories down um, uh, that I was game mastering. So I decided I was going to sit down and start doing some of that. And that's where I got the writing bug from was, was pretty much that. It's, pre- it's a pretty simple story, but I've been writing ever since. Um, I still have my original work, which is 146 handwritten pages and notebooks that I will never show anyone because it's so disgustingly hmm. horribly written. <laughs> <laughs> well... I have to share right here in my home studio, dear friend. I have a, I have five spiral notebooks right in the shelf beyond this beyond our my my microphone here, and I don't know. I feel such a uh, there's a strong there's a strong sense of pride for me in that work and ownership. And as much as I'm willing to surrender almost practically everything about my life and who and my being to the world. That is treated that, that those spiral notebooks are treated like my little diaries. I don't know, <laughs> and it's not that they're. I don't. I don't think for me. I don't think what I've written there is like, oh wow, it's so amazing, but it's so precious and also so so um, so prehistoric to who I am today that I'm. I'm I feel like it's a part of me that I just want to keep tucked away. It's, well, it's I, like weird. The, I like the story it's ri- that's written in those notebooks. Um, it's just the way it's written. I don't want people to read. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Oh, okay. Well, will they, like ever a, see the, will they ever see the light of day? Well, that's a, that's a solidly fantasy storyline. So unless I, um, not to, to be um, a mercenary again about it, but unless I can get a good solid footing in the writing community to the point where I start selling stuff, um, that one will probably remain exactly where it is in until that point, <laughs> and I'll go back and go back and rewrite it. I do want to give a shout out to the uh, one of sure. the few individuals that taught me how to write or how to create or mm. design a character. Two of okay. them in my life that showed, taught me how to do that. One was Stephen King. He just taught me how to design a character, how to build a character. In his earlier works, like um, Different Seasons and uh, Firestarter, beautiful character building. Fantastic. 
fantastic. You feel like you're stepping into the skin of the character. It's just beautiful. And the other one was Rod Serling. Rod Serling taught me how mm. to tell a story. Um, mm. If no one in your audience has ever seen or, or seen any of the black and white Twilight Zones and you have something against black and white or, or whatever, give yourself the moment to, to watch some of those episodes. Um, a good couple ones was, is uh, Death Heads Revisited or um, The Obsolete Man. Um, just some, just a couple of them will suck you in. He's a beautiful storyteller. He can just drag you along. And he taught me pretty much how to, how to pace a story, how to make a story work. Uh, in fact, kudos to you for that. As I was reading, I felt you had great cadence and, sp- and pace in your storyline. I felt like the plot was not rushed, but just enough action and movement, of course. When it, when it moved, it moved. <laughs> but I felt also, too, they were like, it was just like the natural, it went with the natural flow and ebbs of life. Like your characters had real emotions that I personally could relate to. You know, even in the tender moments of episodes, when they were having moments of introspection, I thought it was just superb. There's a question, however, coming in from Maxine. Check this out. Um, Maxine wants to know, uh, well, we asked it before, but I want to add it to Stanley's sure. question. So it's a part, two part. One is, how did you come up with your characters? We talked about um, William, for instance, earlier, but mm-hmm. you do have some others as well. So where, did it, where does the origin of these, besides the historical ones that you mentioned? Um, Jane is supposed to be just designed to be an ordinary high school girl um, who has a very bad home life, a very bad situation. Mm-hmm. She's trapped in a very bad situation. Yeah. Her whole motivation then being trapped is to get out of that situation. Um, that's why in being parts of, of Jane Doe chapter one, she's always talking about moving to New York. That's why she loves acting because it allows her to be somebody else other than herself. Um, cause she's not really very happy with herself. I don't know if you gathered that very much. Um, she doesn't have very mm-hmm. high self esteem. Another reason why she likes to role play is because it allows her to be other people. Um, I, and I just wanted to expose, um, and, and there are sections of everyone's lives, including my own, that it, you, you run into situations where you don't, either you, know, you don't feel all that great about yourself or the situation itself is really tough and you force you, you, you fight your way through it. And so I want to do that, do that with Jane. Um, William Gaines um, or uh, Harvey Gaines, sorry, Harvey Gaines. Um, I needed somebody for Cthulhu. <laughs> I needed somebody um, that I could ent- introduce the mythos to. Um, it's not actually, I'm not actually borrowing so much from Lovecraft, but I did use some aspects that he used. Mm. Um, and in a lot of cases, unless I want to write a separate book about how someone gets sucked into a Cthulhu situation, mm-hmm. I designed um, him. Oops. Oh, hold on a sec. There we go. I designed him to make it easier for me to segue into that. Uh, that's why his personality is designed the way it is. Um, he had already had some emotional hangups. He, he once again hasn't had a really great childhood or, or life situation. He finds himself um, on the streets by himself at 17, 16, 17. Um, he's doing what he can to survive. Um, he's taking the easy way out. That's about that's another way of putting it. Um, not everybody will think that, and I apologize if the, if the new term is, is, is um, offending. I don't mean to be. Um, as far as Augury and Lilica go, oh, mm-hmm. Augury is Augury is your your typical swordsman uh, guts type individual. She stands up um, towards everything. Um, she's like a force of nature. She just she just plows through her eternal eternal life. 
if you're looking for her background and you want to see how astounding her background is in Lilica's background, I recommend you read A Simple Game because that's where both of those are. <laughs> okay. Ah, got it. Got it. And I'm looking at the chapter subtitles. Folks, what I thought was also a lot of fun were the subtitles that you provided for each of your chapters. <laughs> they were super cool. And I'm looking at chapter four, by the way. I, I am playthings. Oh. <laughs> and, your use of, and your use of description here. I would love, it, it, I don't know if you have a copy of the book in front of you at the moment, but I love your description. Would, would you care to read us uh, an excerpt or something from your book? That would be re- really cool. Sure, I don't want to put you on the uh, spot. If not, you no, know, no, like, I, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I just got to turn a light on so I can see what I'm reading. <laughs> and I'm looking at chapter four. I, I, I just love this. His whole ridden dirty jeans were damp from the mist that fell from the angry looking gray sky. Yeah, Harvey Can't Gaines make this stuff sat, up. Yeah, Harvey Gaines sat listlessly in the middle of Winona Park, which is a park I used to go to when I was a kid. The ah. rotting wood the rotting wood of the rusted steel bent park bench he rested on was barely able to hold his weight. Even at his current weight of one hundred and fifty and five pounds, which is really thin for someone, I thought. The bench was groaning when it when he moved, which shows you how dilapidated it actually is. Mm. His shoulder-length brown hair was pulled back into a tight ponytail. It was unwashed and looked greasy and unkept. A worn, wet, and faded yellow concert shirt t-shirt hung on his thin five foot seven inch frame. I'm five foot five, so <laughs> I can relate to that. His whole ridden dirty jeans were damp with the mist that fell from the angry-looking gray sky. He felt mm. the heaviness of his waterlogged socks, because I found, felt that when I was a kid a lot, if anyone's ever run around the park in socks, <laughs> and they clung to his, to his slick, sweaty feet. His deep brown eyes looked up at the overgrown, weed-infested ground he had been staring at, which means the park is not well-kept. It's, it's in a bad part of town. At least I thought that's pretty much what would go for it. One of the parks seemed to be like a haunted place to him, overgrown in crab grass and weeds, and it's... Rusty monkey bars and empty sandboxes gave off a desolate, morbid ambience. The depressing color of the sky and cold wind only added to the feeling. A rundown shelter barely holding itself together was the park's center. Walking up from within this tired structure, tired structures appeared a well-dressed man. His shoes were polished, black and shiny. He wore a well-tailored gray suit, fresh white shirt, a black bow tie, and his black hair was cut short and well-groomed. This is a complete description of H.H. H. Holmes, <laughs> as best as I could get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From head to toe, he sported, on his head he sported a small brown derby. He glanced around for, for a moment and started walking towards the wasted-looking team. Harvey watched the man with bloodshot eyes as he approached, wondering all the while why such a sharp-dressed man would wear such a crappy-looking hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if you could pause it for a second. See, that's the other part that I thought, where, you know, as I was reading. Because there were these moments where I chuckled. Here oh, yeah, I try to put humor in my stuff, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, it was so good. And, folks, as, as you, 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 you know, there's more to this. The dialogue is just beginning. But I want you to hear the descriptive element here. I could visualize from head to toe the characters you were describing. And you really gave them physical presence. But then next, so that visual, the visual imagery that you provided was very rich. But then somehow throughout your writing, Tim, there was an auditory, there were auditory imagery that was also embedded or incorporated as well. 
and I could almost hear and feel like you invoked all of the human senses in master masterfully way masterful ways. And, and 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 just in that chapter, folks, I don't want to give them too much, Tim, because we want them to buy the book. If yeah, folks go right. and visit the create, I have to say the dark creature, the darkcreatures.com website is awesome. Bookmark it. Go there today. Tim, it if you don't a, know this. It does have a special point. If you if you look into the, the site long enough, you'll also get the chance to read what type of work I read. Yep. Uh, I write because I have samples on there of that. He gives all these little all these little nuggets and, 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 and teasers. It's just it works. It works for me. And there's a question that came in now, Tim, that I think you should, that I really would like for you to answer. And it, it this is from Dennis. So Dennis, thank you for listening. He he write he or she or they write. I want to write a book, but I have this fear of rejection. Oh, have, have you experienced this before, Tim? And what oh, are your God, recommend, yes. and what are your recommendations recommendations about dealing with it? Um, I could give you an example of a rejection I got once um, that you'll find hilarious. Um, I, I wrote a short story. I still own it. It's in Tanglegel. It's called okay. Taffer's Prayer. And it's about a, a, a woman in the 16th century who's accused of being a witch. She's in a cellar. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's being talked to throughout the whole story by a witch finder who wants her to confess and blah, blah, blah. We're not going to go into too hard much because I want you to read the short story in case you're interested. But needless to say, I sent that off to a publisher, and when the publisher sent me back the reply, they were with a rejection, which isn't a big deal to me if someone says they're not interested in the work. Right. But what? But they elaborated by saying, <laughs> by saying the reason why they didn't want to publish this short story wasn't because it wasn't any good, wasn't because it wasn't well written. It's because the um, protagonist, which would be Catherine, didn't do anything to get herself out of the situation she was currently in which made no sense to me considering it's a 16th century situation. She's a 16th century person in a cell. How is she in a 16th century setting supposed to get herself out of the situation she's gotten herself into? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, So, um, yeah, over the years I've gotten rejections on short stories. Um, I've gotten rejections on on novel ideas and such like and so forth. Um, You get a thick skin after a while. You begin to blow Mm -hmm. it up. The first couple of rejections – um, if they don't give you a reason, blow it off. If they don't, if they just say we're not interested in the work, don't worry about it. They're not interested in the work. Um, another thing that you should always, always remember is when you send a work out to a publisher, if you're not self-publishing or something like that, you are appealing to their interests, not your own. So it doesn't mean your story's not any good. It doesn't mean you're not right. a great I writer. Agree. It just means that their attitude towards your story wasn't what they were looking for. Um, if they give you um, descriptions of, of, of the way they, you, they think you can make it better, you can take them or leave them. It depends on if it helps you or if it doesn't. Um, there was another short story I'd sent out um, called The Seed with a friend mm-hmm. of mine. And they sent back a, a reply saying they didn't, didn't want the story simply because the opening was too much Edgar Allan Poe. It's too Poe. Oh. And why was that? <laughs> and why was – I mean – Obviously, you know, that was in the letter they said, or was this the yeah, rejection that, via phone well, or they, email? They said it was too ancient. Um, it wasn't upbeat enough. It wasn't you know up to date enough. It was uh, the writing style itself was too old. That's why I always call hmm. it Edgar Allan Poe style. Uh, it was not written in the vein of Edgar Allan Poe. Just you know, Edgar Allan Poe. When you read Edgar Allan Poe, you're reading his style from his point of view, his, historically. And the short story starts out basically with having a dark writer, much like you'd saw in a grand, in the simple game, for instance, with uh, the pale writer. 
right. riding along um, a country the country road in a fantasy setting heading for a town in a in a middle of a huge rainstorm, although the rain's not mm-hmm. touching him at all, him or the horse. It's kind of like it's going around him. And I started the description out by saying that the rider rode this storm. Uh, the, the rain came down on this rider like someone had emptied a bucket, a bucket of water from the clouds. And I hmm. didn't like that description. I didn't like any of that type of description for that particular magazine. So um, a friend of mine went through and tried to take a lot of that out, and they still didn't like the story. So you know, there's no telling you say. And Dennis, I, I just I, I'll only add. At the end of the day, if you really want to do this, if this is something you want to pursue, you have to pursue it. And yes, if, if all of us have our, our, our war wounds and medals of honor or badges of courage to remind us, but I think it's in those moments. Don't don't let don't let your saboteur get the better of you. If you have something that you really want to say and you're ready to let it out in the world, let it out. I always feel sad when I read about authors such as the author who wrote The Confederacy of Dunces. I can't recall his name. His name is O'Toole, Keith O'Toole, something like that. But his work, he suicided him. Oh. Committed suicide. His mother took the manuscript to a university somewhere in the South and the, to a professor. The professor was like, I don't have time to read this. But then after he read it, and he, she told him, obviously, about the story about her son committing suicide. But the book itself is a book that I think every male should read in the world. <laughs> it's a hilarious book, but at some point the satire keeps you stop laughing because we start thinking, are we all living in a confederacy of dances? Have we become a members or creators of it or victims of it? And it's so funny because it talks about a man who's 30 plus, who's trying to make his way into the world, and yet he's super intelligent, but there's a naivety to his um, behavior and he just gets caught up in all kinds of crazy circumstances. He has a mom who still babies him at age 30, et cetera. <laughs> and it's so different. And yet here is that author who posthumously is now celebrated. And so Dennis, to you, don't stop. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. If you, if you don't think you're, the subject matter you're writing about is worth a book, you're wrong. Any subject wrong. matter yeah. is worth a book. Um, yep. any, any perception um, a great well, a great analogy I can say when I'm writing a book uh, or trying to design a book is any perception will bring you the idea to, to write a book. Um, it's not, I don't, uh, I can't try to think of the author's name I'm thinking of. Um, God, it's not Roddenberry, it's the other one, but I can never remember who his name is. He can make a piece of paper while flowing down the street sound like an epic moment in history. <laughs> well said, well said. I will tell you, um, there are two other questions that are coming in that I'd like to read for you. And these are really good. And, folks, thank you for hanging in there. Um, this episode will, This episode will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, right here at everydayfolksradio.com for all listeners. Feel Donald free to, wants to, okay, sorry. Feel, I was say, feel free to write me, write me on, on the thedarkcreatures.com, the series on Facebook, and write me questions. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions oh, anyone has to write. Absolutely. Absolutely, folks. And in fact, I, may, I need to update our description for the show and add it there, Tim. Thank you for that reminder. Mm-hmm. And so okay. Donald wants to know, is there a book, Tim, that you haven't written yet that you'd like to write? Oh, <laughs> there's a lot of books <laughs> I haven't written that I want to write. <laughs> um... <laughs> Let me think here. Um, I usually write books. Um, the series itself is already designed in my head, so I'm 
probably going to write that to the end, beginning to the end. Um, as far as what I've decided to write, it's or a genre I've decided to write in. I don't set mm-hmm. myself that way. Um, it's what takes me. Um, uh, for a great example is when I was about, God, I must have been 17 or 18, I saw a movie, um, which wasn't the greatest movie, but it inspired me called Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, I love that book. By Ray Bradbury, <laughs> the, book the is novel. Good. The movie is not the greatest, but the book is good. Yeah, the book <laughs> is great. Yeah. And uh, that inspired me to to want to write a horror story or something. So I've read several short stories based off of that. It really depends on what grabs me at the time. Um, so once I finish... For instance, once I finish this series, I think um, the grand game, the next book um, for Dark Creatures that's going to come out, will be the end of the use of, of William and Jane for the moment. Not that I'm going to mm-hmm. get rid of them or anything. I'm not a Game of Thrones person like that. <laughs> but, uh, me neither. <laughs> but um, I also already have a book in the works that's designed to take place in the world of Dark Creatures. So the series mm. will keep going. It's just going to be using different characters and such, such like and forth, so forth. But as far as what I decide to write, it, it really depends on, you know, it could be a sunset that could set me up for to, to write a book. Um, I used to love Soylent Green, um, that, that, that movie, or um, the, uh, the Omega Man is another great one. Um, mm. so if I was sunset, I could see the end of civilization just as the sun is setting. That's a great opening to a story right there. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I will. And the final question I have for you, Tim, is this. This is an interesting question. Have you ever considered, from Carlos, have you ever considered making a movie play or game about your book? The, the title sounds super cool. Oh, thank you. Um, I have considered making a play, but I don't know how to write one. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd love to make a movie if someone wants to finance it. (laughs) Um, A video game, uh, not video game, but a a role-playing game, I'd love to do that if I knew somebody who had a mechanical system who wanted to do it with me. Because I don't know those genres well enough to, to just sit down and go, oh, sure, I could do all this and still do everything else I'm doing on the side. Um... I did have a couple of people approach me about Tangla Gal. They wanted to know if I wanted to do a radio show on one of these, those short stories. So I sent them the books. They're looking at it. I don't know if they'll come across as anything. That's fine. That's so, I mean, I'm really, I'm really happy with just writing, but um, other avenues, definitely, if, if the opportunity presents themselves. Um, you know, someone wants to sit down and say, well, this is how you write a play. You know, this is what the structure you need. This is what you want to can. That's fine. I can try to do something with a short story I already have, but I see how, how that works. Movies, on the other hand, take a lot, lot more money, yeah, a lot yeah. more muscle. <laughs> yep. Carlos, and if you're willing to help, you know how to reach us. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm also willing to work with people. <laughs> hey, Tim, so what's next? What's next for you? Ah, the next book I'm working on, I've already gotten into chapter one on, is um, Dark Creatures, Worlds Unending. Mm, love um, that. Love that this title. Op- this opens up the series to a whole lot of other aspects. Right now, as you're reading Dark Creatures, you're centered on the game, the simple game that turned into the grand game. World's Unending opens up, um, it's kind of like an old series I used to read when I was a kid called The Cenotaph Road. It opens up a whole different corridor to a whole lot of other different places you can go. So even though I'm not going to, going to end for any readers who are worried about this. I'm not going to end William and Jane necessarily um, or Lilica or Augury or any of those characters. I am going to move beyond them to other characters within the realm 
other gods within the realms, other games within the realms. Um, uh, I'm world building. I'm trying to build an entire world. Um, so that's that's that would be my next project. <laughs> well, Tim, I want to first say thank you so much for being here, and above all, for uh, for sharing not only insights about your incredible book, but also insights about you the creator and the individual who creates such amazing works. You have a fan in me and also a new home right here to Everyday Folks Radio, so you know this will not be your last visit with us. And, and to our listeners, we want to say thank you. As always, here at Everyday Folks Radio, we want to make sure that we're celebrating the creatives, everyday people, entrepreneurs, and those who love to dab in the dark and unusual. <laughs> and in that regard, we also encourage you to listen to over 200 episodes of Everyday Folks Radio content available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, everydayfolksradio.com. Check out Tim's books on his website at thedarkcreatures.com. Check it out. You'll not only get um, links to all of the works that he's created, but also little teasers and excerpts of some of his latest works. And then lastly, if you'd like to stay in touch with Tim, Tim, we're going to be adding you. I'll be adding you on my home on, on everydayfolksradio.com webpage to the Who I'm Supporting site or section. Okay. And so we'll place you there. So, folks, don't forget, as you always do, go and check out Tim in the next two or three days, the Who I'm Supporting link. And you'll know it's Tim. And you'll know it's all about the game, the grand game right there. You'll see a representation of it. Check it out, and, and, and definitely you'll have an on-ramp to him there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Have a great weekend, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon.